today. You're going to talk about why bother about the God thing if you're already happy. That's it. So that's great. I'll hand over to you now. It's good. Um, well, I wonder if you were to choose an emoji to sum up how your morning's been. <laughs> Which would it be? Um, I'm looking at a whole bunch of mums I can see. Yeah, tired. Um, maybe you've been up through the night with kids. The storm. Um, my my seven-year-old boy, I was just talking about, he woke up this morning, said, I had this weird dream. There was lights flashing in my eyes and this loud noise in my ear. So <laughs> like, yeah, no, that was a storm. Maybe you're a bit tired. Um, You've been working hard to get a whole bunch of kids dressed and fed and out the door and here, and that can kind of leave you a little bit grumpy, can't it? Uh, maybe that would be you. Uh, hopefully, though, you're enjoying this tasty food. Aren't you? How good is the food? But let's, let's give it up to the people loving us with food. It is epic. Um, this would sum up how I'm feeling this morning because I just woke up, looked at my wife and thought, oh, isn't she beautiful? How many of us could really say, yeah, this is me, I'm happy? But I want to put to you that the happiness thing is the emoji that most of us would love to sum up our life. Like, this is what I want my life to be about and to achieve. I want to be happy. Um, Happiness, I reckon, is the glue that holds the good life together. It might look a little bit different for each of us, but, but I want the life that's happy. And not just any happiness, the one that lasts that's fulfilling. We want that for our kids. And so why bother with the God thing if you're happy enough? It's the question that I want to reflect on you for a little bit with. Of course, many Coasties don't bother with the God thing. Um, They actually figure rather than leading to happiness, it's probably going to get in the way of it. So I'll chase after a whole other bunch of things for the full life. Um, Now, I want to come to the God bit in a minute, but just take a moment to think about happiness with me for a moment. Because happiness is trickier than you'd think, isn't it? At least the happiness that that lasts, that endures, that maybe even grows. Um, Usually when we're young, we've got the plan about how we're going to chase the good life, the rich life, the happy life. Um, Maybe it's that dream guy or girl, it's this job, it's this place, and and you kind of have this map and you get about living it. But as you do that, you you, you work out, this is a little bit trickier than I thought. We come across things that are great, that satisfy, that bring happiness, but it, it slips away so quickly. Um, Because I want to suggest happiness is subject to the cycle of diminishing returns. The cycle of diminishing returns. See, think about something that you you really long for. You thought, I I want this thing or person experience. And and it's going to make my life so good. It's going to make me happy. And you got it. I wonder if you can think of something. I wonder, how's the happiness high still going? Um, For me, as I think about something I long for, it was my first car. Here it is, right? I've been driving my mum's little laser, not cool. I just wanted my own car with my own independence. And so this Mazda 323 wagon, you know, the chimney blew more, uh, it blew more smoke than a chimney. Um, but it was mine and I got it and I'm driving it and I'm happy. I was, I was feeling so good about life, um, not just for a day or a week, for, for some time. But fast forward 20 odd years, um, a whole bunch of cars later, I drive something a whole lot nicer than that now and... Meh, who cares? It's a car. Um, or before these things called iPhones, 
there were these things called blackberries. Um, now, this, this is old school. There were these kind of um, blocky things, not your old Nokia, but it had this full-on keyboard. And I was like, man, I've got to get this thing because it connected to the internet, right? And I remember rocking up to a party and saying, oh, mate, hey, check this out. Um, and I pulled up Google on the screen and he's like, whoa. And we were just like, this is amazing. Like, it, it blew our minds. And I'm just loving this thing. I'm connected to anything, anywhere. Whole bunch of iPhones later. Meh. Who cares? Happiness, the things that we think we'll find it in and do find it in, is so often subject to the cycle of diminishing returns. It's there, but it lessens. And now, to get the same happiness high, I need something bigger and better and newer. I need more and more and more because of the way this happiness thing works. So that's the observation I just want to make about happiness in the things that we so often chase it in. It's there and it's real, but it slips. It's so hard to keep. You might have done that with a job. You might have done that with a relationship. So why bother with the God thing if you're happy enough? Sure, maybe you won't, maybe you don't. just want to reflect, though, that the thing that you are searching for happiness in, will it endure? given the way that when you look at things, it so typically doesn't. Why is that? Why is it the case that the things we are sure will give us that happiness we're after so often disappoint? Why? What's the go? Well, Jesus has a lot to say about that. And I just want to give you just a little bit of what Jesus has to say in an encounter that he had with a woman 2,000 years ago. A real account, uh, a real encounter that's recorded for us in one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life. And to picture the scene, picture it's a time when you don't have running water into the homes, you don't have plumbing. And so to survive, the women would get up early, they'd go to a well, they'd draw water, they'd take it back so that they would have water for the day. And we find that this account happens when Jesus is traveling from one part of Palestine to another. It's the middle of the day, It's hot, he's tired, he's thirsty. He stops at this well where he meets this woman. And he stops there and he strikes up a conversation with her. And uh, I'll go on to tell you what he says in a minute, but just before I do, it's actually quite staggering that he even stops to have a conversation with this woman. I'll tell you why. Um, For a start, Jesus is a Jew. And this woman is a Samaritan. He's in the area of Samaria. These are two tribes, two different ethnicities who despise each other, who just wouldn't have a bar of each other. Um, And yet, more than that, she's a woman. In in this culture, uh, men just wouldn't speak to women in public. You just wouldn't do that. And, And thirdly, she's no ordinary woman. This is a woman who carries shame. See, it's the middle of the day. We're told that. And this woman is here. Why, why is she there in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, when you would want to get the water at the start of the day? This woman, she has a shameful reputation. She, she's something of a, a moral outcast. And so she's there kind of dodging all of the women who would have gone in the morning. And yet Jesus speaks to her. He, he kind of reaches across these cultural and social barriers and in engages with this woman and I just point that out to you because Jesus is far more surprising than you'd think when you start to actually look at him and what's going on around him he's actually something like nothing else 
He's countercultural. And he goes on and he speaks to this woman and he says these words to her. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. And if you drink the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. If you're that woman, what are you thinking when you're sitting at a well and a man says this? What's he talking about? What's this living water? Well, Jesus is speaking metaphorically to make a point. And the point is this, that there is more to being a human being than just the physical. There is actually a spiritual dimension to what it is to actually be human. And to live as though you are merely physical, to to care about only the felt needs, the ones that are in front of me that I see and hear and touch and feel, is to actually live a diminished life, a life that leads you to be thirsty, actually frustrated. And he means by saying, I have living water, he means that I have something to offer that is as basic and as necessary to you spiritually as water is to you physically. Um, We have water everywhere. It's very rare for us to actually really thirst, but you know that feeling, don't you? Uh, it's, It's a horrible feeling. And Jesus is saying, I have something as essential to your spiritual health as H2O is to your physical health. Why would you bother with the whole God thing if you're happy enough? Well, Jesus will say that that happiness, whatever you're finding it in, it won't last. He went on to say to this woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. It'll satisfy. Oh, fresh cold water. And then you get thirsty again and need it. It'll satisfy for a moment. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. What a claim. Jesus is saying that whatever you are seeking this deep contentment, happiness in, it won't last if it's in the things that we so often chase them in. That actually he's saying, I actually am the key. I have to offer something that will endure. Here's where I reckon the words of Jim Carrey are actually worth considering. And I wouldn't often quickly jump from Jesus' words to Jim Carrey's words. But listen to what he says, that the Hollywood megastar, he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed so they can see it's not the answer. Isn't that amazing? Uh, a, a person, a man who has had all the wealth, all the fame, all the opportunity and, and the power and the profile and the platform, he, he does all that and he goes, oh, Something's missing. It's not it. We won't be the Hollywood star and have everything he has, but we we chase it in so many of these things, don't we? Um, The money that we're sure will actually buy happiness, despite the saying. Um, It grows wings and it flies away, especially if you've got kids, right? Or you need more and more and more of it to afford the lifestyle that's got to increase and increase and increase to get the same happiness hit. The family, 
the family that you are short, my, my family, my kids, and what I, what I invest in here, that will make me complete. The family grows up. The kids move out. Tragically, families grow apart. They break apart. And, and this place that I thought would do it for me disappoints. The career that you give your life to ends and you go, for what? What was that about? The beauty that you might enjoy, it fades. The health that many of us take for granted, it does fail. These things that we are sure will be the source of our happiness, they are subject to the cycle of diminishing returns and they are so fragile. The circumstances of life just knock us around. But here's what Jesus has to offer is remarkably refreshing. He says, I have a soul satisfaction that I can offer you that will endure, no matter what's going on in the circumstances of your life. And, and it's not subject to the cycle of diminishing returns. It'll actually grow. Because Jesus actually offers something better than happiness. He'd ask you to consider not happiness as the key to the good life, but wholeness. What does it mean to be someone who's whole? Well, Jesus would say it's to actually have fundamentally your spiritual needs met. Of course, we've got physical needs. Um, Listen to the talks on marriage, on parenting, on food, on exercise, on eating. That's a key part about what it is to be human. We know that. But what we so quickly dismiss, what I need the God thing is, is that we are also spiritual. And that to actually be a whole person is to be spiritually healthy. It's to be aware of a whole nother reality. Um, speaking of Jim Carrey, you remember the Truman Show? This is now a movie that's 20 years old. So if you're a young cat, you may not have seen it. And I'm sorry if I'm going to spoil it, but you haven't seen it yet. Too bad. Um, this, was a, this was a great movie. Um, it was actually ahead of its time, wasn't it? Because it was a movie about a reality TV show before all of the hundreds and hundreds of Big Brothers and reality TV shows that we watch now. And, and the deal was that this man, Truman, was actually born as a baby, unbeknownst to him, in this giant movie set. Uh, this, this big dome had been created that would simulate the weather, the sun and the moon, the rain, the wind, and, and there's this city and there's people everywhere. And, and you kind of, the, the movie's showing you the, the life of Truman it just kind of looks like a normal life. But hidden everywhere are these cameras that would beam the shot of Truman to a watching real world of millions of people who watched this Truman grow up. And uh, I don't know if you remember him, he's a happy guy. He's got life worked out. Like it just, it works, it's clockwork. Um, He gets up, do you remember, he says to his neighbour, good morning, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Big smile gets in his his car, off he goes. He's happy. Um, But can you imagine what life is like for Truman? His dreams... Um, his values, they're, they're reduced to the size of this tiny little dome. It's all he knows what to live for. His life is actually shriveled and diminished. 
But then something happens one day as he's going about the clockwork routine. This huge object comes flying from the sky, crashes in front of him, and he picks it up, and it's this studio light because it's a big movie stage, right? And it's actually fallen off, come crashing down. He picks up, what is that? And um, they try and cover it up because he gets in his car and on the radio news they report this aeroplane that's flying over and shedding these parts and, you know, they try and cover it. But, but something happens in Truman there where he has a suspicion that there's something more to the world that he can see. I reckon it's the same for us. Um, for all the talk of... Um, Reality is just what you can see and touch and feel and examine under a microscope. I reckon most of us have a suspicion there's more, that there's something more to me than just being a a, a bunch of chemicals in a bag of skin who's just here because of some big blind chance, here for a bit, worm dust from hereafter. I think we have a sense there is more to me. I think there's more to reality, that there is actually a dimension that I can't see and touch, but is real. Um, I I have a sense that there is a higher being. But what so often happens is we just go, uh, get about the daily grind. Get on with it. Maybe you're happy enough. Truman starts collecting more and more clues as he observes things and he has more and more suspicion that there is something beyond and uh, and he gets on that journey to remember in the boat where he gets to the point where this fake horizon becomes the edge of his dome and there's those steps that he heads up to uh, I was telling this story to someone yesterday and she came up to me and said yeah I watched the movie in the cinemas when it was first out and it got to this point and the whole cinema, like it moved everyone. They're like, go Truman, do it. Do it. Why? Why? Hey, what if, happy enough in his world, it's clockwork, it's working, just get it. Why bother with this? Because there's something more. There's something bigger and richer and fuller for him to experience. But he has to make a choice, doesn't he? whether he'll just do the grind or whether he'll step through that door. Why bother with the God thing if you're happy enough? Well, I'd love you to consider that the things that you think are making you happy, just think about how happiness works. You need more and more and more and more. We seem to get emptier and emptier. But more, there is something much bigger, much fuller, much more beautiful to live for, to to have in your life, to define your dreams and what you value. We have a suspicion that it's there and Jesus says it really is. I have living water that will satisfy because there is something so beautiful on offer. There's every good reason to care about God. Let me leave it there and hand it back to Helen. Thanks for listening.